What a beautiful day it is, and we're so thankful to have you here with us. Um, I apologize that maybe it wasn't announced that Brother Randy was not going to be here this week, so you really didn't have fair warning that I was going to be here, but uh, I hope it's not too disappointing. It's, it's hard to follow Brother Randy, and the times that I have preached, I've always tried to do it on a Sunday night, and I knew that was a mistake because I always had to follow these young folks. Well, they messed the schedule up, and Brother Tom Holland switched around. Now I've got to follow him. So, I mean, how much worse can it possibly be? But I hope, I hope it's not too bad for you today. Uh, but if you did not attend every service of our gospel meeting, you really missed something outstanding. Not only is Brother Holland amazing that a gentleman almost 82 years old can stand up here and deliver a message with power, but the power of the word that he delivered was just outstanding. So if you were not here, you missed an outstanding time with him. I appreciate Brother Trail, the, the songs that he chose this morning because the lesson title today is, Are You Jesus? And all the songs he had about were being about Jesus. As we start, I want to tell you just a little story. A few years ago, there was a group of salesmen that went to a regional sales meeting in Chicago. They all assured their wives that they'd be back in home for dinner on Friday evening. And as fate goes, if you've ever been in Chicago, you know how hustle and bustle that place is. The meeting went late. They had to rush through all the traffic to get back to the airport. And when they got to the airport, the airport is always packed. So as they were rushing through the airport with their tickets, their briefcases, and trying to get to the terminal in time to meet their plane, one of the gentlemen accidentally hit a little apple cart and knocked it over, spilled apples everywhere. He didn't look back. They all kept going full speed to get to the terminal because they knew that door was going to shut and they were just going to barely make it. They made it in time to get on the plane, all but one of them. One of them stopped and said, I can't go on. When y'all get there, you call my wife, tell her I'm going to take a later flight, and explain to her why. And he turned around and he went back because he had compassion for that young girl's little apple cart. And when he did, he was very happy that he went back because this young girl was 16 years old and she was totally blind. And when he got there, she was down on her hands and knees. She was softly crying as she was trying to get all of her apples and the people just going everywhere around her. No one taking any time to try to help her, even ask what was going on. They just were going at it as hard as they could, themselves trying to get to their flight in time. So as he kneeled down beside her, he started helping gather up all the apples and put them back on the table and get her display all fixed back. But he noticed a lot of those apples were damaged and bruised from the fall. So he put those in a separate basket. And when he was finished, he took $40 out of his pocket and gave to her. And he said, I hope this will help take care of the damage that we did. Are you OK? Well, she nodded yes as she wiped away the tears and stuff. And he said, I really hope we did not spoil your day too badly. As he started to walk away to go back to the terminal to catch a later flight, the young girl called out to him and said, Mr. And he turned around and looked into her blind eyes, and she said, Are you Jesus? 
Oh, this absolutely floored him. He didn't know what to think. So he turned around and went back to her and he said, no child, I'm nothing like Jesus. He is good, he's kind, and he's caring. He's loving. In the first place, he would have never knocked your apple cart over anyway. The little young girl nodded and she said, I only ask this because when I was down on my knees, I prayed that Jesus would send someone to help me. And you came. So you may not be Jesus, but thank you, mister, for answering his call. In our life today, do people mistake you for Jesus? Isn't that really what our destiny life is, is to be like Jesus? You know, so if we are like him, we must look at who he is. And in doing so, let's look at some of the characteristics of Jesus. Let's look at what, what he was like in, in his actual life that we can portray in our lives. It's things we should show in our everyday life. The first thing when you, when you think about Jesus, everyone I think, if you really stop and think, if you could put it in one word, what would be the first word you would think about Jesus? And that first word would be love. You know, we all experience love every day in our lives. We receive love, we give love from our families, from our parents, our brothers and sisters, our husbands, our wives, our children and our grandchildren. The love, we, the love we have every day is just phenomenal. But, you know, Jesus instructs us that that love should go a lot farther. John 13, 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And also in John chapter 15, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Do we really love one another? But more importantly, do we love Jesus and keep his commandments? So if we are to be Jesus, we should have love in our lives. One of the next things that Christ has is compassion. And do we have compassion in our lives for other people? Or is our compassion really just feeling sorry for someone? You know, compassion is defined as a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another person who has been stricken by misfortune. But now here's the most important aspect of that. It says, accompanied then by a strong desire to alleviate that suffering. You know, Christ had compassion for people everywhere he went. When he was in Galilee preaching, a leper came to him and asked to be made clean. Mark 1, then Jesus moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing be cleansed. Then and also in Mark, when the multitude had been falling and he needed to feed them, 
He said, in those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his, his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and had nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. And, you know, we always remember the story of Jesus' teaching of the Good Samaritan. The gentleman laying in the ditch, hurt, people passed by, even went on the other side of the road. But the Samaritan came by, he saw the injured man, and he had compassion on him. And his compassion took action. He treated his wounds, he took him to the inn, he put him up and told him to take care of him, and whatever the fee was, when he come back, he would pay for him. The Samaritan had compassion. You know, Christ has compa had compassion for others, and every time his compassion was always followed by actions. Do we really have compassion for others in our lives, or do we just feel sorry for someone? Sometimes just saying, hey, can I do something to help? That's just being a kind gesture. Do we really mean that? Or do we see something in need and go and help that person? That is true compassion. Another aspect and characteristic of Christ was patience. Now, patience is rare in today's society. We live in a very fast-paced society. You know, a lot of people cry out to God and say, God, please give me patience, but I want it right now. You know, that's what our lives are. We live in the rat race. You go get it, and you get it as fast as you can, and you get it now. We have fast food, quick shops. We have faster and faster computers, and we get upset because they're not fast enough. We have express oil changes, express car washes, express interstates, instant digital pictures, instant coffee, microwaves, overnight delivery, express mail, instant messenger, and most of all, I don't think anyone would hesitate, we got one of these in our pocket, a cell phone, so that we can talk to anyone at any time at a moment's notice. So our whole lives are built on as fast as it can, not with patience. I love to take pictures, and if you go back and remember years ago, you remember when you were young and you used to take pictures on a family vacation? You know that little thing is called a roll of film that most kids have never even seen today? And when you got back home, you mailed them off, and in two to three weeks, you got your pictures back and how excited you were. But when you took that picture, you weren't saying, let me see, let me see. You had patience. You waited. And also, when you come in from outside playing, Mom, I'm hungry. Okay, I've got to cook supper. Give me about an hour or two hours, and I'll have supper ready. You didn't say, stick it in the microwave and fix it right now. You went and did whatever you did. You had patience, and you waited. Christ had patience in his life. Patience is the ability to sit back and wait for an expected outcome without experiencing anxiety, tension, or frustration. It's the ability to let go of your need for the immediate gratification and be willing to wait. In Romans 15, verses 4 through 6, 
and whatsoever and whatever things were written were written before our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope now may the God of patience and comfort grant to you be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus and also in 2 Peter 3 9 the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering, patient, toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All of us should thank the Lord every moment of our lives that he is patient. What if the Lord says, every time you sin, I will punish you? If the punishment was immediate, as we want things today, where would any of us be? I doubt any of us would be here right now. The Lord is patient with us. He gives us the ability to repent and ask for forgiveness of our sins. So we should all thank the Lord every day in our prayers that he is a patient God. And you know, impatience comes from waiting on the Lord, allowing God to work out the details and putting our trust in him to deal with the situation that we have in front of us. In Psalms 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. You know, the psalmist, the thought is that patience is sustained by hope, and that hope is based in the faith of Jesus' word, the written word in front of us. It's the word of God that produces faith. And this faith gives us patience because we learn more about his word. And as we learn more about his word, our faith grows. And as our faith grows, our patience also grows with it. You know, the Hebrew writer stated, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Patience is driven from the word of God. And it's by your study of that word to help develop that patience. And as I said, we should all thank the good Lord that he is patient with us. Another thing Christ was, he had gentleness. You know, we live in a world today where gentleness is not very common. Uh, Just think about your own lives. How often have you been treated with gentleness? Or more often, how often are you treated with Someone trying to, they treat you harshly or trying to bully their way or to enforce their ways on you to be controlling. And more importantly, how often do you treat people with gentleness? Philippians 4, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. You know, the Lord was gentle and he handled everyone with care. As we talked about this morning in our Bible study, in Matthew 19, when Christ with the little children, he says, Then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray, but the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. And then in Matthew 11, 28 and 29, 
Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. You know, so many times gentleness in our life grows at a very slow pace. Gentleness in our lives has a tendency to grow as we become older. If you want to look at true gentleness, look at an elderly person as they deal with a child. They treat that child with kindness and tenderness, a gentleness about them. Just think what this world would be like today if we treated everyone we had that the way a child is treated with gentleness, how much better our lives would be. Another characteristic that our Lord had, he was tempted. You know, we all live with temptation in every day of our life. Every moment of our life, we're tempted. We're faced with different situations, and we must make a decision. And in that decision, we either give in or we withstand. And when we give in, we give in to the devil and we give in to sin. When we withstand, we hold firm and we build strength and endurance. In Luke 4, verses 1 through 3, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. You know, throughout the entire time that Jesus was being tempted by the devil, he withstood and did not give in. And you know, more importantly, he did not use any of his divine heavenly powers that he had at his possession available at any moment to resist the devil. He remained true and faithful to the heavenly father as a human being, which shows that we too, as a human being, we can remain faithful even though there are very, very hard times. We can remain faithful. We can resist that temptation. And God grants us that assurance in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except as is, so, is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God tells us we're going to be tempted, but he is never going to put us in a situation where we cannot withstand it. If we're strong enough and true enough, we can overcome those, tempt those temptations. Another aspect of our Lord is he was prayerful. Jesus never took time. He never failed to take the time to stop and pray. You know, prayer is one of the most blessed gifts that has been given to us. It, it allows us to talk with our Heavenly Father directly. And, you know, Jesus, he prayed often. In Mark 1, 35, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. You know, this is amazing because it tells us of the deep need for prayer. If Christ Jesus 
the Son of God, a member of deity, needed to pray, how much more do we stand in need of prayer in our lives? Because if Jesus Christ needed to talk to God, just think what we need to be doing. And when we pray, especially when we pray in private in that solitude place, remember, God knows everything of our heart. He knows everything we're going to ask. He knows everything we're going to tell him. But in doing so, when we pray to God, we don't need fancy words or scripted prayers. We should talk to God as if we were talking to our best friend. Tell him what hurts. Tell him the problems we have. Thank him for the wonderful things he's done for us. And then ask him to help you. That's what God is there for. He wants you to talk to him. But the one thing we need to always remember when we pray to God, be willing to accept his answer. God is in control. And his answer may be yes, I'll be happy to do that. And it may be no, you don't need that. And you know, it might be yes, but not right now. You've got to wait. You've got to have that patience. So in everything we do, we need to be prayerful, but we need to always remember God is in control. Even when Christ prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to have this affliction removed from him. But he also said, not his will, but thy will to be done. He knew God was in control, and that's what he had to do. And that's the attitude that we need to have in our lives also. One as aspect and characteristic of Christ that we can never have, it is impossible for us to have, is being sinless. Christ lived and walked among men, and he was perfect and without sin. That is something we can't do. As was read earlier in 1 Peter, For to you, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Christ was sinless. That's something we can't do. But there's another very important aspect of this verse. And it says, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Christ put the example out there. He didn't say we had to follow it perfectly. But we need to follow in his steps and do everything we could to be Christ-like. You know, even though we're going to always have sin in our lives, there is still hope because the greatest characteristic that Christ had was he was a forgiver of sins. In Matthew 26, 27 and 8, he said, Then he took the cup and gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. And then in Ephesians 1 verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You know, Christ, not only does he forgive our sins, he forgave sins while he walked on this earth. 
the woman at the well, he forgave her sins and said, go and sin no more. The paralyzed man, as he was brought to him, he told him his sins were forgiven. And they questioned him that he forgive his sins. And he asked him, he said, would it be harder to tell him to arise and walk? He told the man, arise and walk. And he forgave him of his sins. And then as Christ hang on that cruel cross, the thief beside him, he asked for him to be with him in paradise. And Christ told him, today you will be with me in paradise. But even though Christ forgave sins, we're commanded to forgive one another. In Mark 11, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. You know, Christ died the most cruel death that anyone could imagine. His death on the cross, the breaking of his body, the beatings, the shedding of his blood allowed us as sinners to be forgiven. Even though Christ forgives sins, we are the blessed ones that can be forgiven. Question for you. Now we've been talking about are you Jesus. If Jesus came today and took your place, and I'm not talking about sitting here in, in this church building, because here you probably put your best foot forward in everything you do. But if Jesus came today and took your place, would there be anything different in your life? What about at work? Kids, what about at school? What about in your home? What about places you go when you go out to eat? When you go to the movie? When you go to a ball game? What about driving in your car? Would anyone notice anything different about you if Jesus took your place? They shouldn't. Because, you know, whether you realize it or not, that's exactly what Jesus wants in our life, that to make himself known to others through us. So if we are truly reflecting Jesus, no one should really see anything different in our lives. That's what we should portray in everything we do. Do you really represent Jesus the way he should be represented? Christ is our Savior. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And as Peter writes in Acts 2.38, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, the choices we make today show who we really are. Are you Jesus? Do you represent Jesus in your life? Always remember that no matter how bad the storm is, when you're one with God, there's always a rainbow waiting. Are you really Jesus? Jesus died for you. He went to that cross and he died the cruelest death imaginable for you 
and for me. It is up to us to accept him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. The only way to become Jesus is you have to become part of Jesus. To become part of Jesus, if you've never been baptized with him in the water for the remission of your sins, that's the only way you can ever become part of Jesus. And if you have in the past, but you've drifted away for some reason, and you've let more sin enter into your life, and you need to be forgiven of those, his arms are always open waiting. Jesus is waiting for you, and he wants you to come and be part of him. If you have any needs in your life, there's not a better time to put Jesus in your life right now. Are you Jesus as we stand to sing?